I'm Allegra Levy, and you're listening to The Scout Archives, the place where I have the privilege of introducing you to groundbreaking artists who also happen to be wonderful people. For more information on the guests or to nominate someone, head to our website, www.thescoutarchives.com. You can also follow us on social media at the handle The Scout Archives. And you can reach out to me on Instagram at Levy Allegra. Now let's introduce this month's guest. Welcome back to The Artist Date, a segment of the Scout Archives where I converse in a more casual setting with some of my friends about the art we have seen, the art we hope to make, and our individual perspectives as young artists in general. This month, I am talking with Cecilia Bonner. We talk about her experiences with self-tapes, our shared anxieties as audience members, and her feelings on the beauty of an unstructured life after school. I'm thrilled to be introducing you to the wonderful and thoughtful Cecilia on The Artist Date. Thank you for listening, and I will speak with you soon. Hey, Cece. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So we just uh, discussed a lot of things. Yes, we did. And we realized that we weren't recording. Mm Mm-hmm. But now we are. Wait, are we, though? Yeah, make sure. Okay, we are, and I'm not going to touch it. Great. (laughs) Oh, man. That is so funny. (laughs) We had such good conversation. We did. Well, let's just hit a couple points. Good conversation (laughs) is easy to come by. We can keep talking. Yeah, we, okay. Yeah. Um, So, let's go back a little. (laughs) Okay, yeah. you said some good things. Um, You're filming? Yes. A movie. Well, you're assistant directing and... Mm -hmm. Are you in it? No. No, I'm not. Well, I'll probably Producing. be in a party scene or, you know, hop in, <laughs> I'll hop in the background. You'll see my face in the background. But what I'm on right now, um, the person who is directing it is also the lead actress. So I am sort of her eyes away from her body is how I'm saying it. She's saying it more of a creative producer or an assistant director or something like that. But I'm watching when she's on camera and I'm giving her feedback on her performance and also making sure that what she wants from each shot, she achieves. Because she will be in the shot, so it'll be hard for her to make sure she's achieving it. Love that. Love that. Um, And when do you leave? We leave on the 30th, so on Wednesday of this coming week. Yeah, it's soon. And it's in Ocean City. Ocean City, yes it is. Maryland. It's very cool. Maryland. <laughs> there is an Ocean City in New Jersey too. It's Ocean, Ocean City, Maryland. What is the film about? The film is amazing. It's about um, a young girl who lives in Ocean City who falls in love with a J1 student. And J1 is a term that Irish students come over to the United States on, um, usually over a summer. So a lot of them go to Ocean City, Maryland. And so it's based on that. They fall in love over one summer while he's there for two months, and the film enters on the last night that they're together. And that last night, she's supposed to be leaving to go back with him to Ireland. They're going to start their life together in Ireland. And you follow them, and it doesn't always end up exactly as one wishes, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And it's over one night? It's on his last night, yeah. His last night in Ocean City. (laughs) Wait, is this a true story? Um... No, it's, well, it's inspired by life, yeah. of course, as all art should be, but, um, or could be, um, but it's not, it's not exactly a true story. Love it. Yeah, 
And it was written by Emmy also? Yes, it's written and directed and acted in by Emmy Shockley, the most amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love her. And um, this whole week has been her graduation. Yes, it has been. It has been her graduation and she's casting. She's a busy, busy woman. Okay, so let's talk about cell tapes. (laughs) Okay, yes. (laughs) So this is what we talked about for like a while before. (laughs) Yes, cell tapes. I love them. I'm in a period right now where I'm just getting into doing a lot of self-tapes and I'm also watching a lot of self-tapes because I'm helping Emmy with casting um, her film. So it has been a lot of self-tapes these last two weeks. So, okay, and we were discussing how I asked my teacher recently, Mm -hmm. um, there's a big question about when you go into the casting room, should you present yourself as who you are, which is perhaps more bubbly or like um, smiley or just mm-hmm. easygoing mm-hmm. Um, and then go into the character if it's a dramatic scene or an emotional scene should there be that contrast or should you go in with a taste of what you're about to do mm-hmm. and he was saying that you shouldn't leave anything to the imagination that people are looking for real people to fill these real roles as opposed to people who can act the roles yes um so do you want to just say a little bit about what you were saying yeah. about this? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, I've, was in, I've been in a lot of meetings with casting directors with, or classes with casting directors where everybody asks this question because I feel like mm-hmm. it is something that we're all dealing with because it feels very strange to walk into a room with all of this emotional prep and all of these steps in a scene that you know you have to take to bring this scene to life the way you want it to be. And yet... You have to go in and also meet somebody and have a little conversation or introduce yourself. And obviously you want to introduce your best version of yourself, but you also have all this emotional prep underneath. So I was saying how um, a lot of times when you walk in and you present this, your normal self or what you believe is your normal self, a bubbly self or a professional self or all of that, um, and you're overriding what you're actually feeling and how you actually are in that moment. You're performing this version of yourself that isn't, isn't actually what you are in that moment and it can come off contrived and uncomfortable and confusing. And then it occurred to me that just this week in our auditions, we had somebody who maybe was doing that, maybe not, but it was confusing for us in that um, he came into the room and was great, very sweet, and then in the scene brought something different that we were confused by. We weren't sure, was that him acting? Is that how he actually is? Was he nervous? Um, Was the bubbly self a contrived version? Was that acting? Um, It it was confusing. We didn't know who we were gonna get on set. We didn't know what he was like. And when he left, that was the main thing we took away, was the confusion. Actually, yeah, how much of the conversation was about his acting, was about his performance, was about what he could bring to the film. Not as much as, wait, what? so what did we just see? What? It, who is he? What was that person that we first saw? Is he bubbly? It Was the anger that he was bringing to the character, is that like a color that he goes into in all of his acting? Is that, or was that a choice? We were confused by the whole package because it didn't seem it wasn't easy flowing it wasn't one experience it felt because often often when we introduce ourselves or when we're nervous we're kind of acting 
as it is, you know? We're acting like some version of ourselves that's not actually how we always are. Right. And so then to bring that acting in on top of your actual artistic acting and then have little glimpses of like what, how you're actually feeling, it's very confusing to be in a room with that. Um, and I also spoke about how when I go into rooms and I look back at my experience in rooms, I often feel when I, I am a, a bubbly person in life, I'm a like light person. And when I go into a room with all this emotional prep and then I'm like, oh wait, I have to be my light bubbly self. I have to present well. I feel like it's fake and I feel disappointed in myself sometimes when I leave the room and I'm like, that wasn't me. Like who was that bubbly, ditzy girl? Because that wasn't me. That was yeah. what I felt like I wanted to bring, but in trying to reenact how I usually am, I'm actually presenting this phony version of myself, and it feels weird and not so great walking out of the room. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, what else were we saying? We were saying that when, uh, oh, you were talking about how your self-tape experience at a specific studio yeah. felt very actory because of all of the parts it didn't feel like just a person in real life it felt like an actor in a studio doing an audition yeah making a self-tape yes you spoke about how your teacher said the word actory and it's interesting because yeah we are we're actors but at the end of the day we all want to either inhabit the person we're trying to portray or see a person we don't want to see an actor right and so I was in a self-tape experience where I was in a perfect little acting studio with a perfect acting reader and a perfect camera and they were taking takes and I had like you know the ideal actor backdrop it felt like and was it blue it was blue <laughs> <laughs> and so um, you know as I'm doing the takes I'm feeling more and more like just uh, this is such a actor experience I don't know and it wasn't feeling genuine the film was also it's all gonna be shot outside it's all gonna be adventurous it's all gonna be um, improvisational uh, very adventurous in its essence the film and so then to be in this perfect little contrived box um, felt very unnatural once yeah. I got out yeah and then I did I did a tape on my own uh, the next week after I grew from, I, I learned from that right I was like that felt too much like an actor I felt in that in that environment I felt like I needed to act instead of just relax into what I had prepared for the role and so from that I, I thought maybe let me try a different, let me try shooting on my phone like some of my friends have. Let me try getting my actor friend to be my reader. Let me try in an environment that I'm more comfortable in. And I watched the tape and I was more at ease in the experience. It didn't seem like an actor in a box on a screen, which is so hard these days that that is how we usually have to present ourselves on a screen. Right. Yeah, and we both grew up doing, I don't know if you feel this, but mm -hmm. we both grew up doing theater, specifically mm -hmm. musical theater, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know, I've always felt like 
I mean, the work is like so different preparing for or auditioning for a role that is on film and television as opposed Mm -hmm. to theater because there's so much more like voice work that comes Mm -hmm. with theater or like just how your body like I mean they're also seeing I mean unless it's like a a, a film and television uh, audition where they're the frame is your entire body yeah you know most of these auditions for theater they're seeing your whole body and your physicality and how you do the monologue and yeah all that stuff and who you're talking to and all that um but really like the most successful like film and television auditions that I've had or even like working in class or whatever have been just me saying the lines the way that I would say them yeah it's so interesting because I I went on a theater tour for a little bit where everything was so theatrical and we were performing to huge houses where you had to if you were feeling sad you had to somehow physicalize that sadness as well either with like a little like a hunch in your body or a you had to find a way to physicalize it so that it would read rows and rows and rows and rows back in this huge theater you had to project your voice and then I came back to the city and I started taking TV film classes and being on a little screen again. And I immediately got nervous and thought, I do not want to overact. I do not want to push this. I want to just be as natural as I can. And in that correction, I actually um, like downplayed who I usually am. And I downplayed the actor that I am because I was trying to be safe. And luckily, one of the classes I was in was with an acting teacher who had seen me for like many years and had known my work and she was like what I saw is pretty it's cute it's fine it's nice nice is the word I'd use it's safe but it's not you and it's not a performance that I want to watch all the time because you're being very you're watching yourself on camera Mm -hmm. and in that process of relaxing into how we normally act as people like yes there's a camera on us but it's like I'm talking to somebody one or two feet away from me I'm not not gonna move at all I'm not gonna be watching my physicality and minimizing my physicality if I'm talking to a person two feet away from me and if there's a camera on me it's the same like my physicality can still be my physicality on a camera as it would be if I was talking to somebody two feet away from me I don't know if that's making sense. Yeah, makes so much sense. Yeah. So in that experience, I started to feel that out, and it looks so much more natural when you just, yeah, act as you are. And it is, I was watching um, actually one of the acting roundtables, and they were talking about how as an actor, it's, it gives you so much freedom to move between the two mediums, because it's relaxing to be just yourself to not have to push so hard to let your inner self read on a camera that's relaxing and then it's freeing to go on stage and be able to be large and big and explore all like lengths of how big you can be and how free you can be and moving between the two and finding um a different scale between the two how big can you be on camera without that being strange without that reading strange how small can you be on stage with that still reading rows and rows back it's all very freeing once you learn in yourself how to play with that and I still haven't obviously but it's really freeing to try to learn it to try to experiment between those two huge I don't know worlds that we can live in Yes. Yeah. Um, so, 
you write from time to time. Yeah. Anything you're working on that we should know about? Any um, ideas? Lots of ideas. We were actually just talking at our little thing about how much we think. Like, my mind does not stop, and it almost detrimentally. So I always have a ton of ideas, and I do write a lot just because I've always liked writing. I like reading. I like writing. I journal too much, honestly, (laughs) because my mind doesn't stop, genuinely. I need to let some of it out in a journal (laughs) so I don't go crazy, even though we both know I'm probably on my way there anyway. Oh, God. Um, Me too, sister. But, yeah. But, um... But I don't know, right? Where I'm at, I really... I have this thing with myself that I talk about a lot with other people. And some people look at me like I'm crazy. And some people are like, yeah, I get that. It's that I am so passionate about um, acting and about art and about people who want to pursue this. um, And so driven in the pursuit of it that it overwhelms me to um, step into different art fields because I feel sometimes like the time, that it, the time that I need to devote to acting, the time that I want to devote to acting in order to really be what I feel like I could be and should be um, is so great that I don't even have enough time in my life. And I feel like people who are good writers devote that sort of time to writing. Right. And so then for me to just like, diddle battle in writing I feel sometimes like I'm taking away from those people who are so passionate so devoted and so beautiful in their writing they devote so much time to it that I feel sometimes silly devoting a little bit of time to it if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but I do do it because I also I recently um, was listening to the off-camera with Jeff Daniels everyone should listen to it because it is beautiful Oh, just the Jeff Daniels one? Well, well off camera in general, we it's love beautiful. Him. Sam but Jones, Jeff we Daniels, his whole, he was just, he was going on all these different things that was beautiful. And that were beautiful. <laughs> and um, so that, that was my mindset up until this podcast, right? I was like, if I can't devote my, all my waking hours to writing, I shouldn't be writing. If I can't devote all my life and my passion to painting, I don't want to paint. I want to devote all my life to acting. That way I'm the best at it. That was my mindset, which is a closed mindset. And um, then I listened to this podcast, and Jeff Daniels has a whole music career that nobody knows about. And he goes on tour and plays all this music that he writes and works on. And he was saying, he was like, as a creative person, just acting is not enough for me. I need to let myself explore all different um, artistic endeavors, even if I'm not the best at them, even if they're not going to come to move people in the way that my acting has. Mm -hmm. I need to do it because my soul needs outlets in all different ways. And that I thought was beautiful. That changed my mind. That got me to think, yeah, who is everybody not to explore all these things? You know, everybody has something to give to every artistic field if they feel they want to that is very interesting that you say that because mm-hmm. I was at a voice lesson yesterday with the love of my life Richard Lissamore oh um, <laughs> who is basically my dad yes. and 
he's very hardcore and he tells it like it is. Yeah. And he was telling me yesterday, because I was singing some Phantom of the Opera song or something, because we were, we were working on, like, my legit sound or whatever, and he just said to me, you know, you could be great. You could be great. You could be in a small pool of people that... This is honestly not even to toot my own horn, because I don't sometimes believe when he says this, but... And, but he doesn't say it to that many people. And I know, I know he doesn't give compliments easily. So I know he's probably right, but who knows? Um, he just said, you could be in this really small pool of people that work really hard and get to a very specific place by knowing what they want mm-hmm. and by working really hard at it. But you are very wishy-washy with what you want or with how hard you work at it, mm-hmm. which they're both very true. But I think a lot of the times it is because I'm so busy doing other things besides yeah. acting and singing yeah. that I don't have... I want to be the kind of person that will devote my entire being to acting and singing forever and ever. But I also am so scared of that because I'm so afraid of the what if it doesn't happen for mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. I've devoted my entire life to this. Mm-hmm. Whereas I could be, you know, putting my eggs in a lot of different baskets. Yeah, Perhaps not... I mean, perhaps also to, uh, you know, it could perhaps be a, a bad idea to do that also because it's like I'm not pursuing one thing so hardcore to the point that I might be great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I So I don't know. I think that's beautiful that you can do that and that you are doing that. I, it reminds me, when I was at Emerson, actually... Mm-hmm. There was a competition for a TED Talk. What? Yeah, and I wrote an entire TED Talk and went in and, and like pitched an entire TED Talk to present. But the whole TED Talk that I was going to present, which is so embarrassing now that I think about it, um, as like a little freshman with my notepad, anyway, um, was about how when I came to Emerson and I was only taking acting classes, because that's really all we took our freshman year. Yeah. That I felt like I was not using all my potential, and that I actually felt like it was hurting me as an actor because you weren't doing other. But for me, that more comes across in um, class, like in um, studies. Like I liked writing, I liked math, I liked history, I liked physics. Like those are things that. I feel like helped me grow as an actor. I really enjoy reading and studying different things in order to bring into my acting. Yeah. And that is amazing that you do that in different artistic endeavors and different, um, it sounds like what you're doing is actually exactly what every actor should be doing. And I wish I had more freedom like you in my, um, in my different pursuits. I'm more, I, I guess I do that more with like knowledge or like information and you more do that in life like you actually do it which is astounding and I wish and that I were more like you in that like I'm going to put my all into this thing and I <laughs> until, don't even have until. enough time <laughs> the fact that you just said I don't have enough time to devote if I devoted all of my time to acting I wouldn't even do like have a fraction it wouldn't even be a fraction of like if I had more time in my life, what I could yeah. be doing with acting, or I don't know. You know it's just hard to feel. I just think it's that's delusional, great. I think. But oh, I don't think it is. 
I think it's great. I wish I had more of that because maybe I, I could I be in the small of pool of the, of the people that work really hard and do it really. You know what I mean? No, I think what you're saying is beautiful. I think it's. I really admire that in you. Thank you. Well, I admire your hard work like this. Well, also because like you have had no structure for a long time now. Yeah. Because when did you? Okay, when you left Emerson, we were freshmen. Yep. And then. I went, went to, to Fordham, Fordham. Mm-hmm. for how long? Just a year. I So when I was at Emerson, I decided I wanted more academic studies, and I also wanted a different approach to acting. So I transferred to a different acting studio, the William Esper Studio, which really was perfect for me. I really decided I loved it, but I also decided that I couldn't only act at that point. I needed more information, honestly. Um, and so I went to Fordham as a full-time student, and I took math classes, physics classes, writing classes, and then I went to Esper as, um, it it was technically part-time, but I was there for about, I would say, like 14 hours a week, so I was, I I was very, very busy, and just going between the two, I scheduled all my Fordham classes around my acting studio time so that I could be at both places during the week, Mm. and then, um, and a crazy turn of events. I decided that I wanted to just be at my acting studio for the last year there, so I dropped out of Fordham last year. <laughs> oh yeah, it's crazy. And now, but you kind of like created. I mean, you've like been like living your life. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Without any kind of like school structure, except for the studio, I suppose. Yeah, and now I've been out of the studio for about uh, close to a year. Like, I would have graduated this week, actually, last year. So I've been out of the studio for close to a year. Um, I don't know why, you know? I speak to a lot of people who think they want to drop out of school, because I did. And for me, that seemed um, that it was the only answer for me. I really felt like that was what I needed to do. But when I speak to anybody who's just like uh, thinking about that or is maybe going to drop out of school I'm always very honest with them in the fact that I'm very good at keeping myself busy to almost uh, my detriment like I read I write like I'm start I've started writing essays on my own just as um, like busy work to keep my brain active because I am um, self-conscious that I dropped out of school yeah like academic essays that's crazy um, just on different um, topics that interest me or that I want to study. Because um, I'm very self-conscious that I dropped out of school. I think a lot of people think that I did it because I wasn't good at school or because school didn't interest me. And that's not why not I dropped out of school. At all. I dropped out of school because I am very um, meticulous in how I want to spend my time. Yeah. And um, school was not how I felt like I needed to spend my time. I would rather be on my own schedule. So I keep myself very busy, yes. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Did I answer your question? No, yeah, totally. I mean, it's just like, I mean, you're lucky that you're able to do that because I know so many people who would. I mean, I suppose that is the deal for a lot of people who are artistic or who are, um, who decide to drop out of school because I know a lot of people who have dropped out of school and I don't know how they could have done it because I am someone who has lived by a structure for so many years Mm -hmm. and loves structure. Mm Mm-hmm. To the point where literally, not even joking, my voice teacher yesterday 
because of this whole discussion about me not being disciplined enough or whatever, um, <laughs> he was like, do we need to make a schedule of like the songs that you're going to sing this summer and like how you're going to perform them for me? And because he's very much like, he doesn't, he doesn't really give a shit about you singing the song if you can't act it. Cause okay. he's very, very much like your singing will be better if you act it, if you feel it, whatever. Yeah. And he is extremely right about it everything I mean I have had I've been with him since I was 14 and he's never led me astray on that um but I'm sometimes I'm lazy or I'm learning the song and I have been learning it for three weeks or whatever and I'm just like I'm not ready to like perform it yet you know (laughs) yeah um but so he was just like let's put you on a schedule of like when you're gonna like have the songs fully realized in your body when you're gonna sing them for me and perform them for me Mm -hmm. because I'm not like gonna waste my time here Mm -hmm. which is so true and I don't want to waste my time either because what's the point but um, yeah, but so, like, I even need a structure of, like, I need homework yeah. to, like, get through the summer. I mean, the fact yeah. that I'm not doing anything this summer is truly frightening. <laughs> um, and, but I honestly just think that it's because I've never known anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, even in the summer, I've always been forced by my parents or whatever to be doing something, going to camp or getting a job or getting an internship or whatever, and I'm not able to function without mm-hmm. I get sad I get bored and sad I, I do too yeah there's no way there's no denying that there is boredom and sadness in not having somebody else giving you a structure there definitely is and um it's hard it it's that I was actually just speaking to Emmy the other day because Emmy's in her week of graduation and she was going through the same conversation she was like it's so crazy that I'm not going to have classes I'm not going to have schedule how are you surviving and um I found this year particularly when I don't have any class I'm not going to any um, studio with teachers um it's been also just learning to ease into the relaxing time too for what it is Mm -hmm. because there are some days where I don't have an audition. I don't have a tape to send in. I'm not working in a class at that time. And it's that's kind of beautiful too. Yeah. It's kind of sweet to just sit and check in with myself and check in with the world, go for a walk, read a book. And now even just saying that makes me want to panic. <laughs> like I'm like, that's one day gone. Like it worries me, it, it gets me up. It, I, it's awful but it's life that's yeah. the other thing it's like this really is life even the times when we get to relax we're so lucky to get to relax yeah. it's just really taking it moment by moment each each thing we can sit in and really just take it for what it is because right it just is there's sometimes stuff we it's out of our control that we don't have anything to do that day so mm-hmm. let's relax into it and enjoy the day still you that's know? very true that's ve- that's a very good way to look at it it's i it's kind of crazy that that we think it's a bad thing to not have anything to do in a day it's also kind of a gift that you can just take in the day like just go for a walk and experience the world experience different people even just taking in that information, even just watching people, I love watching people in the city, like even just taking in the world as it is on a day when you have nothing structurally to do, that's still doing something, that's still 
I don't know, living life. Have you seen anything uh, of note recently that you would like to discuss? Um, I don't know. Are you talking like theater or anything? TV, books, books. TV, music, art. Oh, okay. Well, like, actually, really anything. books. I just this week stumbled upon. It's called Women Who Run with the Wolves. Okay. Um, it's very interesting because... Wait, it, I know it. You know it? Isn't it amazing? Oh, I haven't read it, but I saw it in Enchantments, oh. which is like a witchcraft store. Please read it. Okay, apparently I'm a witch then, because I love it so much. It basically tells old folklore stories. Okay, it makes sense. But then a psychiatrist slash mm, therapist doctor, she goes in and based off these stories talks about the female psyche and um like all different things that women go through Hmm. in a modern sense relating back to these stories like why is it that these stories have been told for thousands of years and um are held in women's hearts it's because they mean something to women as a whole Hmm. and then relates it to modern life so it's really interesting and i really loved it and just so many of the things i'm like that's me on the page i'm like that was me but, um, yeah. And then in terms of TV and films, let me think. I feel like I just watched something, but I forget. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you about this book, actually. Okay. Um, there's a book called The War of Art. Okay. By Stephen Pressfield. It's short. I feel like you did, but I'm I might have told you about yeah, it. Yeah, but I'm excited. Okay. It's... It's, I mean, I'm like always, you can always find me in like the self-help section, but this is like a book that is for, it's really for artists, but it can honestly be for anything. It's pretty much like a 12-step program. It's like an AA, because we all know that I love AA. I'm not an alcoholic, but I love going to AA meetings. Um, Mm -hmm. It's basically like a 12-step program, but there's more steps uh, to like realizing your artistic potential and like all this stuff. And he just wrote another book that I just bought, but I actually, I started reading it and I was like, you know what, I'm going to read the first book again mm-hmm. just to like remind myself because it's been a few years since I read it and then read the other one the other one's called Turning Pro okay um cool. they're really good uh, yeah I'm definitely they're really good that. okay cool um, yeah he just like I actually think you would really like it I it's a lot about what you were what you're saying um, cool. he like says this he talks about this whole idea of resistance um, in art and like how we can't realize our artistic potential because of resistance to yeah. like the great things that we could do. That's um, so interesting. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's just great. And then TV wise. I know. Um, I'm trying to think what I've been watching recently. I was watching Sex Education with my friend Eleanor, but I fell asleep. Oh, I but love I have to Sex Education. It. I love, love Sex Education. Okay. I have to finish it. I haven't. You have to. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. It's awesome. Um, what else? Um, theater? Any theater you've seen? I recently saw Richard III with Glenda Jackson. Oh, how was it? It was okay. Um, I don't know. You know, everyone that's seen it has kind of mixed feelings. And I kind of had mixed feelings myself. But it was good. I felt like it was maybe overproduced or something. It felt like too much money was put into it, honestly. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, cause the acting was really beautiful, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I stepped away from it, not in love. Right. 
which is strange when I go into the theater because <laughs> I want to love it so much. <laughs> yeah, I get so anxious. Do you get, ever get anxious when you go to the theater? Not I get. Really. Oh, I'm so. I'm the worst. You know I actually what? don't even think I like seeing musicals or plays anymore. Really? Like I just can't. Oh wait, anxious in what way? I just. First of all, I hate theater seats. I think I've really come <laughs> to <Yeah>. realize this. <laughs> okay. Um, that I cannot sit in those seats for like three and a half, two and a half hours. Like I just can't do it. Yeah. And they're so, so close to everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they're in such close quarters with every single person. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I just feel like. <laughs> Can I tell you the first time I realized? Because I I've sometimes feel that now, and the first time I felt it was at Emerson. I went to one of their uh, productions where it was completely blackout. Did you go to this one? It, they, they blacked out the entire theater so that it was as dark as if your eyes were closed. That's how dark it was. Wait, was this the Richard the Yeah, third? was it? Wait, was it? Richard the Fourth? Richard, wait, wait how was many it? Richards and then the little mouth spoke? I wasn't there. I didn't go to, like, any Emerson shows the, okay, except this is for, one like, the, the only Cutler Majestic one. that I went to. Can I tell you, they said at the beginning, they were like, if you feel like you need to get up, just scream. And oh, no. Yeah, That's and so Emerson. we'll come I can't. get you. So when I heard that, right, I'm like, that is so dramatic. I'm an actress, but I'm not that dramatic. Then the lights go down. I swear to you, Allegra, I was like talking myself <laughs> off the ledge. I was like, Celia, don't scream. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not do it right now. I felt so anxious. My body went into like a full panic because Ugh. it's like you're trying to open your eyes, but you can't. That's how dark it is. And then you're sitting in that for 30 minutes while the littlest speck oh, of a mouth. I know what it is. Mm-hmm. I know what it was. What was it called? It was um um. It was the one woman show. Yeah, it was a one woman show. It was. I mean, she was amazing. But my body went oh, into full panic dude, mode. Dude, mine too. Wait, what was that called? <laughs> I don't know. I but will that was never the forget first that. Time it I'll never to forget me. that. I was yeah. so anxious too. I was so yeah. anxious too. It was literally. I don't remember them saying just scream. Though. Oh yes, they they did. I remember them saying wave your hands because the ushers all had goggles like these UV or oh. these like black light goggles where they could see. <laughs> Wait, do you know what's even funnier? They probably did say that, and in my mind, I'm like just scream, scream Celia, just scream. <laughs> I panicked. I yeah. that, I remember that, and it was so hard to see <laughs> it was the so girl. Hard. Yeah. It oh was yeah. One little light. Yes, I thought my eyes were playing chair. tricks on me. It oh, was hard. Oh my god, it was rough. But that was the first time it really occurred to me, like, I am in a theater with hundreds of other people. Anyone could be crazy. And here I am distracted by a play with all these people around me. And my body got really anxious. Anyway, though, yeah. <laughs> just a glimpse into uh, my anxiety. Um, but, yeah, I just get very, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've, I don't know what it is. Do you know what the, the other thing that I get in um, plays? I was talking to my sister about this the other day. Um, it's like when you're little and you're like part of a basketball team, right? Were you ever part of like a little sports team? Huh. Maybe volleyball for like a okay, second. A little volleyball team, anything. And you're just little, you just want to play, right? And they have you on the bench or something because God knows I was never good at sports. So Me I was too. always on that bench. And you're like, I just want to play, I just want to play. Like that's how I feel sitting that's in a the theater. Okay, I understand. I'm like, I just want to get up there, I just want to do it. Like I just want to play. You know? I hate watching other people, I only want to do it. Right, I like, just want to do I, it. <laughs> I mean, I do like watching other people because I enjoy, like, stories and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just really um, – you know what it is? I think I get anxious seeing things that I haven't seen before 
because yeah. I have a major like at, with movies or television shows. I, feel I that. think I watch something new maybe like three times a year. Like I do not yeah. venture out to do things. Like I, I totally used to that. watch movies all the way through, and then when I was done with it, I would start it over again and watch it again. That makes sense to me. Yes, because I'm a mimic, and I love to uh, I love to. Um, memorize things and mm-hmm. memorize quotes and the way people say things. It was a big part of the reason why at Stone Street I chose material that I knew and then when people were like, this seems weird or kind of fake, it's because I was literally doing the exact <laughs> performance <laughs> that Kate Hudson was doing in Something Borrowed or in, oh you know what God. I mean, like in any of those films because I just know them so well that I can literally, I know the shots I know, because I'm crazy. That's and so, so when I see something new, I'm just very like I want to know when it's over. Like, I want to know everything about... Like, I want to know how it ends. Like, I don't know. I just have a real, like, problem doing that. And I also... That's why I like this... I like this business as a work business and not for me, my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Almost. Yeah. I get At that. least in terms of theater. Because I would rather do it than see it. Yeah. I'm kind of the same way with the watching things. How you said you only watch uh, the, the same, same things over yeah. and over again. I have recently started, like, I will only watch things on recommendations, really, Mm -hmm. and I will go back to the person and ask them where it's going. Yes. Because uh, I get Uh very, I'm a very anxious viewer, (laughs) and a very um, involved viewer, but not in a good way, almost. Like, my body gets involved. Like, I get, and I think about it consistently. Like, I'll have, like, nightmares, or, like, I don't watch scary movies because it's too much. It's just too much. It's too overwhelming for me, personally, which is strange. <laughs> but then, like, recently I watched Sharp Objects, which, have you seen that? I haven't. I saw the act, though, because someone told me to watch... Well, someone told me to watch Sharp Objects and then the act, but I have to. I have oh, to. Oh, my gosh. It's scary. But the only reason I was able to watch it, one, is because I was doing a scene from it. So my acting teacher was like, you have to get the vibe of the show. Just watch it. But also because Santi, <laughs> he suggested it. And be- the only reason I was able to watch it is because I would go back to Santi and be like, Santi, okay, I need you to update me. What happens? Am I going to be able to survive this? Like, is it going to be able to happen? And he'd be like, it's going to be okay. It's not too scary. Nobody gets, like brutally damaged to a point where yeah he 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 made me survive the film because I definitely get caught off guard and my body goes into panic it's not good (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. I get that for sure Mm -hmm. um any art any art okay my sister is a visual artist at Parsons and she recently got tickets to go see a Basquiat exhibit okay um on the lower east side Mm -hmm. and she wanted me to go with her so I went and it's so I love looking at art like um so much but I don't know much about artists and I don't know much about you know visual painting anything like that or sculpting and so being with her and she's talking about like the different techniques and like why it's interesting that he did that, why this is revolutionary, what impact this had historically. To hear that world from somebody who's like immersed in that world, yeah, so interesting and so not. It's so amazing to me how oblivious you can be to different things. Yeah, Do you know. And I was like oblivious to the fact that art has real theory behind it and. I don't know. It was amazing to experience through her eyes because I would have just gone and looked at a bunch of paintings and be like, that is beautiful. And she's like, no, but really, it's amazing because of this, this, and this. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome. I went to uh, a gallery recently, a gallery opening. Yeah. Well, not a gallery opening, an exhibit opening at a gallery. Um, yeah. Or a show. And it's at the Morrison Hotel Gallery in Soho, and it's all different photographs of, um, like, Keith Richards and the Stones. and. Whoa. It's really, I think it, honestly, like, they focus a lot on music and rock history and rock art and stuff like that, but it was very cool. You should go. That's awesome. It was great. The uh, kind of, the people that were there, it was just so eclectic. There were all these, like, just a really interesting group of people. I love that. Yeah. It was just really wild. Like, there was a woman in, like, a headdress and this whole getup that was just, like, wild. And then... uh, (laughs) Even the people that work there are, like, out of the 70s, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And That's so interesting, too. I would love to go to a photo exhibit. Yeah, it was really great. Again, that, yeah. Everyone should go. It was really good. Um, <laughs> let's see, anything else? I don't know. Anything else you want to say? What time are we at? Not really. I'm just so glad that we had this talk. Twice. I know. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I'm so happy. <laughs> Um, yeah, we should do this again. I would love to. Well, thanks for being on the Scout Archives. (laughs) Thank you for having me so much. (laughs)